Pastor Xavier Reese reminds us of the Lord's persistent love. He identifies himself as patient. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, you must open it. There's no handle on the outside, no knob. God is calling all the day long to those who are lost, those who are religious, those who are nominal Christians. That's the sinner. God gives every person a chance to be saved. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. They say our blessings can be our curse, and our curses can often be our blessings. Well, unfortunately, one of the curses of religious freedom is the freedom to be wrong. Today, Pastor Xavier takes us back to his study in the book of Revelation to warn us of the dangers of living a religious life. Let's listen. Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22 is our text. The message is entitled, The Apostate Church, Laodicea. The um, identity of the recipient of the letter is to the angel of the church. Notice, Laodiceans. He's not dealing with the church any longer. He's dealing with individuals who have turned his back on him to call them back. In other words, this was a legitimate church of Jesus Christ at one time. Look at verse 15 through 17. The church of Laodicea is so detestable, so reprehensible, that the all-knowing God could find nothing to commend it. Notice he says they were neither cold regarding their relationship to Jesus. The word cold there means chilly cold, like the waters of Colossae, the region they were at. The church was indifferent, lifeless. They were neither hot regarding their relationship to Jesus. Notice, hot. Zestos, it means fervent or boiling. We get our word zest from it. They had no zeal or fervency for Christ. He could do nothing for them. They were told by Jesus that he would rather they were cold or hot. These are the words of Jesus. Now, Jesus is meek and mild, all love. Comes out pretty heavy here. The boiling, fervent temperature refers to the zealous Christian who lives for the Lord. Wants excellence in his life. Never sinlessness, never perfection. But he's turned on and on fire for the kingdom of God. The chilly cold temperature refers to the dead indifference of a person who's content in some quasi-spiritual condition and regarding the kingdom of Christ. Saying they're Christians, but their life denies it. There's a compromise constantly over and over again. And because you say you're a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. Because you were a Christian once doesn't mean you're a Christian now. We're going to see this as we move along. Notice Jesus tells them their real condition. They did not know that they were wretched, which means distressed. They were enduring toil and trouble, being afflicted in the spiritual arena and not even aware of it. This describes their condition from God's perspective. Perfect knowledge. They had all in this life and nothing in the next they did not know they were poor, poor spiritually, ignoring the true riches, and it's emphatic in the Greek here. They did not know that they were blind, blind to the things of God and the Spirit of God, being ignorant about the eternal destruction to come. Yet they sold eye salve for others to see. They did not know they were naked, naked in that they had no standing before God for justification for their sins. Certainly these people include those who are not born again. 
because the first step necessary to receive Christ is to be poor in spirit, the first of the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, 3 on the Sermon on the Mount. But I cannot exclude the possibility and the contextual implications of those who have drifted from Christ. He's addressing them as his children. He chastens those he loves. Those are not unbelievers. Those are believers, as we'll see. And these people were trusting in their riches. Jesus said, or where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Matthew 6, 21. Not, not where your heart is, where your treasure is. You got your treasure? That's where your heart will be. No serving can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one, love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon and man are synonymous, Luke 16, 13. What will a man profit if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus said in Matthew 16, 26. This is not the manner of life of a Christian. Not that he doesn't have the potential, but we, we understand that's what we came out of. You have to be careful not to drift away. Book of Hebrews begins, don't drift away. And it gets more severe. The church of Laodicea and the Laodicean people will be left behind at the rapture into the tribulation and great tribulation. This is the condemnation to Laodicea. Notice next comes the exhortation. The individual is encouraged to receive the counsel of the Lord. Verse 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold, refined in the fire, that you may be rich. There's still hope here. Mark it well. The gold refined in the fire refers to the life submission to the purifying work of the Holy Spirit to remove their spiritual poverty, to bring them into reality. Buy from is agora, a marketplace, personal purchase. You have to do this. You have to go to the Lord. The process is to subject the gold to extreme temperatures in order for the draws, the impurity to come to the top and you scrape them off and remove them. So when you see the reflection of your face, you know it's pure gold. It has more value than the worldly gold. Peter makes this very clear in 1 Peter chapter 1 and other passages. Remember, Laodicea was known for its wealth and its banking. How appropriate this is. The true riches. Jesus said, you fool this night, your soul shall be required of you tonight, then who shall these things be? Luke 12, 20 through 21. That's that man that had so much harvest and so many barns, he didn't know what to do. He said, I'll tear them down, build bigger ones, and I'll tell my soul, soul, take ease of you. Really? Fool, tonight your soul is required. Then who will all these things belong to? You realize you're going to leave everything when you die, right? You can't take anything with you. Listen to Isaiah. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me here and your soul might live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you the sure mercies of David, Isaiah 55, 1, 3. This is God. He pursues us. He comes after us. He is patient. When he draws that line and he says it's over, trust me, it's absolutely over. I counsel you to buy of me white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. He is pursuing these Laodiceans who have rejected him, drifted away. 
Remember the Laodiceans were merchants. They knew uh, about their black wool, their garments, their tunics. They were all, they were wearing them. They wear them down the street. People would look at them. Hey, that's a good looking thing. Yeah. God says, ooh, because that's not what gets you into heaven. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robes of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, Isaiah 61.10. All that we are, all that we're to be, we're looking to Jesus, no one else, not for us, not who we are. If any man glory, let him glory in the Lord, Romans, Corinthians, Revelation, on and on. Today, there are many who can boast about having every up-to-date fashion. Gucci, Prada, Dooney, and Bork. I had to ask my wife how to pronounce these and who they were. <laughs> now, if God has blessed you, you have some of these, you don't have to hide them and feel weird. And I shouldn't cover what you have. But just make sure you're not living for that. It doesn't matter to me. You understand? But, but we certainly don't want to put our dependency and think that that's what makes us. That's why, you know got to be careful. At times, our nakedness is, and our depravity is truly displayed, whether it be by accident or willfully before men, private or public. The nakedness of our sinful depravity is always revealed before God, no matter what. He sees everything. Nothing's hidden from him. Hebrews 4, 12, open and naked. Chapter 1, verse 14 speaks about it. He sees everything in the midst of the churches. Then he says, I counsel you to anoint your eyes with eyesalve that you may see. These are all invitations to repentance. Are we clear on this? But not to sinners. We're going to see he's standing outside the church. The eyesalve refers to the willful decision to allow the Holy Spirit of God to open their eyes to their true spiritual condition. Remember that Laodicea was known for his eyesalve called Tephra Phrygia, which they exported in tablet form all over the world, which was grounded into powder and recalling their famous market that, you know, the temple of uh, Men Karu, and, and they were famous for this, and yet they could not see. Wow, how ironic. Today, liberal churches teaching neo-Orthodox is neither neo-new nor orthodox straight. It's old and it's crooked. In their theology, seeker-friendly, progressive liberal, ecumenicalism, emergent, and whatever else comes after this. Set the plumb line, the word of God, and then judge what you get. And you'll find out if it's straight or crooked. If it's crooked, say it's crooked. Don't go along with their propaganda, with their lies. Notice the individual is encouraged to open the heart to the evidence of God's love. Verse 19. The evidence of love is revealed. Listen carefully. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Question, are these Christians backslidden or are they sinners? Non-believers are not children of God. He says here, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Context, context, context. Ooh. The word rebuke means to bring a man to the awareness of their error to convict. The word focuses on the person uh, and it says, uh, pointing out the error. In, in other words, to give correction. That's the goal. The word is used for confronting a brother who has sinned against you. Go tell your brother his fault. Matthew 18, 15. The scriptures tell us that open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful the wounds of a friend, deceitful the kisses of the enemy. Proverbs 27, 5, 6. I've told you often, if you have friends that are always telling you how, how good you are, go get some real friends. 
And interesting, the word love here, you think it'd be agape, right? It isn't. It's phileo, emotional, mental love, conditional love. Now, you can't trust your emotional love, but you can trust God's emotional love because his love is perfect. He's not swayed by it. It's absolutely perfect. The word chasten means to train, discipline, or educate. The word focus on what a person does to provide consequences for the failure, for correction, not mere castigation. You don't talk like this to a, a non-believer. You talk to this to a believer who has drifted from you or is in sin. These are not unbelievers. The word is used for correcting those who are in opposition in 2 Timothy 2.25. By the way, the quote is from Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. It's quoted in Hebrews 12, 5 through 6 again, the chasing of those he loves. Now, notice the acceptance of God's love is to be responded to. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Here's what's lacking in the pulpits of America. Ready? Repent. The other one is sin. <laughs> we misspeak. We make mistakes. We just, you know, no, 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 you sin. And you need to repent. You agree with God that you're a sinner and that he alone can forgive the sin that was first of all against him. And so you repent. He forgives you, 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10, and he transforms your heart and he makes you his child. And you begin to walk in the light of the gospel, yielding to the spirit of God. This was the church of Jesus Christ at one time and they just drifted away from him. Notice 20. The individual is encouraged to accept the invitation of God's love. And really, it's a sin against God's love, which is the greatest sin. He identifies himself as patient. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus is now outside the church. He is not the head of the church. He's knocking on the door of the individual Laodicean to let him back in. This is the only letter that addresses the individual Laodiceans rather than the church Laodicea. Verse 14, there were those Jesus could see would return. So he's pursuing. He's giving opportunity. They're going to respond. Both verbs are durative present. He keeps on standing and knocking. He's patient. He's loving. Then notice he identifies himself as one who does not violate anyone's free will. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. He doesn't break in. You must open it. There's no handle on the outside, no knob. God is calling all the day long to those who are lost, those who are religious, those who are nominal Christians. That's the sinner. But here, he's talking to those who have left him. God uses his word to communicate the gospel of salvation through a person's life, through the proclamation, the righteousness of Jesus Christ in Romans 1, 16 through 17. God gives every person a chance to be saved. He may not know how, when, or where, but he will do. Let me give you the, the absolute example. You have two men on the cross, both of them equally distant, both equally heard, one accepted, one rejected, and a conversation. Let's move on. That's what always happens. If not, how can God judge that man? If he doesn't give an opportunity, when God brings him before the judge and says, why did you not accept me? The person says, because I never heard about you. That there's a judgment presupposes that everybody will have at least one chance. I don't have to explain how, when, or where. I just have to tell you that God is just. And God will give that opportunity. Simple. God will use prayer. God will use invitation. God will use everything. But everybody will stand guilty before God. 
for not repenting. Now, he identifies himself as one who will fellowship with one who repents. I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. The word is used of the Last Supper with Jesus and the disciples in, uh, in Luke twenty two twenty. He identifies himself as being outside the church. Mark it well. We've seen Christ slowly being replaced and counterfeited as the church age has transpired, and now we see him outside the church completely and making individual invitations. Now, we're probably very familiar with this verse because it's used by evangelists all the time. I stand at the door and knock, Jesus says, but this is not for sinners. This is for Christians who have walked away from him. He's outside the church. He's knocking on their heart. This is not for sinners. It's for believers who've walked away from him. Completely out of context. Now I understand it. But let's stick to the context. So in other words, he's knocking on their heart that individually they would respond and return to Christ. Jesus is coming soon. The urgency is there. This is the last church. This was the exhortation to the Laodiceans, not the church, those who were open. Now notice 21 22. We have the application. In 21, the declaration is an invitation with promise of reward like the others. The one to receive the reward is the overcomer, as in the six churches before. And, and the first three, this came after the call to here, to Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Now, it's before. It is a timeless promise. It is one that, that abides in Christ Jesus in John 15, 1 through 6, abiding in him. It is the faith of the Christian that overcomes the world in 1 John 5, 4 through 5. And the person to reward is Jesus. I, no one else. The Lord will do three things to the individual. Mark it well in 21. The promise to the overcomer will, will grant him to sit with him on his throne. Thrones speak of authority and power, 1 Timothy 2.12. Thrones speak of privilege and responsibility. Thrones speak of proven qualifications to rule for the benefit of others, not yourself. God gives you responsibility and power for others to serve others, not turning inward. Well, the parallel here is that the overcomer is likened to Christ as an overcomer as he sits down with his father on his throne, sitting is symbolic of the finished work. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Sitting on his throne, Jesus will separate the sheep from the goat. In Matthew twenty five thirty three, Jesus will put all things under the Father's feet, and God will be all in all. In First Corinthians fifteen twenty five through twenty eight. What does that mean? I don't know. We'll find out when we get there. Whatever he had to do for the Trinity to make salvation possible that way, once it's all done, it'll all go back to whatever it was. We'll see it all together. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Little flock. Luke 12, 32. Agonized enter in. Many will try to get in, but few that be that find it. Those are the words of Jesus. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Luke 18, 8. What's the answer? No. They will not believe that God will eventually elect. Little faith. Notice the declaration is an invitation for everyone. There must be a willingness to listen to the individual. If you find yourself as such a churchgoer, a Laodicean, then you need to pay heed. There's a sense of responsibility and accountability to what you're hearing. There's a culpability to every person who does not listen or take the way of repentance. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church, the famous words of Jesus. How you hear what you hear. Notice the declaration. It's an invitation to obey what the Spirit says to the churches again, plural. 
word here, akua, refers to the faculty of hearing again effectively, efficiently. So he's not speaking to deaf people, but people that can understand. The Holy Spirit opens up the understanding. Literally, let him accurately and effectively hear. The obedience is not limited to the message of the church of Laodicea, but all seven, as they will receive the entire book of Revelation. Churches, again, is plural. The Holy Spirit is speaking, the representative of Jesus Christ, the one that illuminates his word, the one that brings glory to him. He never speaks of himself, but points us to Jesus. We've seen these seven churches, churches individually and collectively to give us a potential that can exist in the church age, as well as individually. But collectively, throughout the church age, we see the progression of deterioration more and more. The loveless church, Ephesus, as the sower. The suffering church, Smyrna, the wheat and the tares. The worldly church, Pergamos, is the mustard seed with its evil birds. The pagan church, Thyatira, is the leaven in the three meals of wheat. The dead church, Sardis, is the treasure in the field. And the loving church, Philadelphia, is the pearl of great price. And the apostate church, Laodicea, is the gathering of the good and the bad fish to separate them at the judgment. Great parallel, Matthew 13, the kingdom parables. This was the application to the, listen, Laodiceans. This last church does not address the church, but the individuals. Those he loves and he chastens, his kids. Not talking about sinners. Thomas Aquinas once called upon Pope Innocent II. The Pope was counting the large sum of money. He says, you see, Thomas, said the Pope, the church no longer can say silver and gold have I none. Truly, Holy Father, said Thomas, and neither can I say to the lame man anymore, rise up and walk. Today, everybody wants to feel good and to be indifferent and tolerant. These are the marks of the modern-day church, post-Christian age. But this insults the love and the grace of God by compromising its holiness apart from Christ. Laodicea is very much alive today. Many tributaries, emergent, seeker-friendly, and whatever else you want to call it. The trunk is ecumenicalism, one with the world. Remember being lukewarm is repulsive to Jesus. He will vomit you out of his mouth. Remember those he loves, he chastens. So yield. Repent. Remember he stands at the door and he knocks. You alone are the one that can repent and open that door and ask him in. No one else. The message to the church of Laodicea is their condemnation for not knowing their lukewarmness, deceiving themselves by trusting their riches, their own abilities, rather than repentance. And so the message speaks of a local church in John's day. The message speaks of a period of church history, 1950 to the return of Christ. The message speaks of a type of church that can and will exist until the time of the second coming, and most important, the message speaks of a type of Christian in every church throughout the church age. All we have to do is let the word speak for itself. Spurgeon used to said, you know, don't talk about the word, don't tell people, he said, the word is like a lion. You don't defend a lion, you don't tell people about a lion, it's just open the cage and let the lion out. Get out of the way, preach and teach the word of God. The Holy Spirit will do the rest of the work. First in me, then in others. 
Pastor Xavier Reese has been looking to Revelation chapter 3 for a loving warning regarding our relationship with the Lord today on Simple Truths. And you can request a CD copy of this thought-provoking study titled The Apostate Church Laodicea for only $4. And we'll be able to include everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title is The Apostate Church Laodicea. Or you can request the entire series, The Seven Churches of the Book of Revelation, contained in one 10-CD album for only $27, or on a single disc in convenient MP3 format for just $10. This 10-part series includes every message Pastor Xavier plans to share with us from his series of Revelation, chapters 1 through 5. The Seven Churches of the Book of Revelation CD album is yours for $27, or on a single MP3 disc for just $10. Contact us today at Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. And it's helpful when you tell us the call letters of this station when you contact us. Is it really possible to be sure that Jesus is the one and true Messiah? Find out when you tune in to the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 